All right, this week we sat down with Susan Ramirez and this episode was amazing to say the least and super impactful. And it comes at an amazing time where her organization is doing a give-a-thon. What I have to say is just listen to this episode. The the things that they're doing in foster care with National, National Angels, Austin Angels, and all the different chapters they have is amazing. I can honestly say as someone who grew up in foster care that this could have been the type of organization that very much so could have changed my life in a lot of ways. And I know that they are changing a lot of lives. I would highly recommend that you listen to this episode and then go over and check out her organization and everything they're doing. And if you can donate, give something and help them out. And along with that, she took the time to interview me. So we're going to drop that as an additional episode. Throughout each interview, you can see the passion and the dedication she has to helping children to to foster care. This is a calling on her life and she takes it very seriously. And it is something she's extremely passionate about. So I'm not going to waste any more time. We're going to jump right into it, hear the story of how Austin Angels, National Angels, and all of them, and the love that they show foster children every day. You know, I was a foster parent. <clears throat> when I piloted the Love Box program, we had so many profound things happen in that home. But one thing that really kind of, well, well, two things happened in that home that made me want to ensure that every single child was getting this. And that was, we got paired with um, as kind of a single foster mom who was raising teenage boys. And in this home, there were six teenage boys. And uh, they were like tough of the tough. Like if they didn't make it in Mama Esther's home, then they were going to end up in a residential treatment center. So when we first got started in the program, and there was no program, we we didn't know what we were going to call it. We didn't know what we were trying to accomplish. Even I just wanted to walk alongside a caretaker and and love on some kids. And so when I started the pilot of it, I had called Miss Esther and I said, I don't know what this is going to look like. You're going to have to help me build this, and let me just see if I can add value to your life. And let me see if I can add value and just make these kids feel happy. And so when we started on, you know, it took us months to kind of even have these kids look at us in the eye, you know, like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? We don't trust you. And two things happened in the home that was literally the impetus to like, okay, we've got something here. And that was, we had a little boy named Ryan, um, beautiful young man who was turning 14 years old and he'd spent his entire life in foster care and multiple, multiple homes. Ryan, it was his birthday and, and, you know, our organization tries to really celebrate these kids. And I couldn't be there for his birthday because my mom was having eye surgery. I couldn't be there. So when he got home from school that day, though, he had this massive, huge box and inside the box was like brownies and like some things that he wanted in there. And so when he got home from school, he opened it up and the balloons came out and all this stuff. And he was really celebrated. This was probably, I don't know, maybe seven months into us just showing up consistently month after month after month, coming in, doing fun things, like just breathing truth into their life, that their life matters and that they're worthy. And like, just like loving on these kids, you know? And he called me and he said, Miss Susan, I was so excited to get home from school today because for the first time in my life, someone was celebrating me and I love you. And I was like, oh, I love you too, Ryan. It was our first time to say, I love you. And it was really, you know, like a sweet moment. And we kind of hung up the phone and mama Esther called me right back. And she was like, Susan, I just want you to know how profound it is that that young man said the words, I love you. Like not only did he get to feel your love, 
but he felt so empowered to give it back to you, to say the words, I love you. And so she's like, don't lose sight of that because that is huge because that young man has been in my home for years and he has never said the words, I love you. And so that for me was the first kind of like, oh, I I think we're onto something here, right? And then the second thing in the home was that we had a little boy named Jonathan and Jonathan was going into the seventh grade and he had a dream of wanting to make the football team. But mama Esther, when we first started, she said of all the little boys that have come through my home and I've fostered over 50 boys. um, He actually has the worst case of abuse and neglect out of any young man. And so uh, because of that, and he's been, he's gone from home to home to home and has taken so much. He's got no self-esteem and he is barely scraping bys. I mean, he is not doing well in school. And so we just, every single time we would come around him, we'd bring him a little something that made him feel seen. We would just do all these incredible things with these kids to let them make, you know, treat them like they were kids and let them be kids. And and so anyway, so we said, Jonathan, we understand that you want to go out for the football team. And he said, I do, but it's never going to happen for me. Well, now it's, uh, we're getting ready for going back to school and we give all of our kids brand new backpacks, all the school supplies, you know, we'll say like, what color backpack do you want? What kind, what's the brand, you know, sort of like under armor. We want to make sure that we always get kids what they want and we don't do anything used, no hand-me-downs, nothing. Everything that's given to them is what do you want? Or if we can empower them by giving them, you know, like here's a gift card, let me take you to the store, let you go and shop and buy and all that to be said. So Jonathan that year um, got his backpack and inside the backpack, and that's the one requirement we have in our program is that um, you have to write a handwritten, basically love letter to your kids every time you come and see them because they will hold on to those letters of encouragement until the next time that you see them. But we just said, you know what? We believe in you and we believe that this is your year and we can't wait for you to make good grades so we can come and cheer you on at your games. Like this is going to happen. And just over months and months and months of months of breathing life into this little, what feels like a potted plant where no one had ever watered on him. You pour a little bit of water and now he's like blossoming into who he was created to be. Six weeks after he starts school, he brings home his progress report card, waving it as he barrels through the front door and he's like, mama, 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 guess what? I just got straight A's. (laughs) And, um, and so, you know, he said for the first time in my life, someone believed in me and I didn't want to make a liar out of them. And so for me, mama Esther calls me again and she says, you're never going to believe this, but the kid who has no self-esteem, the kid who won't even make eye contact with people has just brought home his progress report card and has straight A's. And, you know, for me, I was like, okay, so not only in this house have we seen children feel attachment and feel love, not only to receive it, but to give it. But now we're improving a child's self-confidence and who they believe that they are capable of becoming because children will rise only to the level in which they believe that they can become. And so we as adults have to uh, shatter that. For these kids, we have to say, you are not your circumstances. You can rise above it. And if you are only told, now this home doesn't want you, this home doesn't want you, this home doesn't want you, that does so many terrible and horrific things to a child's self-esteem. And so what we're trying to do is rewrite that. At the end of our pilot, there were so many little stories like that that added up that I went back because during this time, 
I was still working in corporate America. My vision for my life was not to open up a nonprofit. (laughs) It was, I was so focused on climbing the proverbial corporate ladder that I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this thing on the side and this feels really uh, impactful and good. And then it was like the rug got pulled out from underneath me. And it was like so very clear that this this one life who, who I thought like, okay, I'm going to go down this corporate path was all of a sudden so crystal clear that that was not the calling of my life. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And, you know, you talked about your kind of faith journey and certainly uh, I'm a person of great faith and believe that this is what has been called on my life to do, you know, without a doubt. People have taken this little mustard seed of a dream and it has just expanded. And now we have 22 chapters all over the country with a vision to serve kids all over the country. And so, like I said earlier, we have a super aggressive growth plan and that is to open up chapters in every metropolitan city so that we can reach every child and every family. Because the other thing that we believe is that if we can get children to one healthy, stable foster placement, you know, we believe that the closest touch point to healing for a child is if we move them one time, they get one home. And there's so many breakdowns. Like what we know is that you know, you said earlier, like, you know, you just felt like you moved from one home and things would dissolve. And then you moved to another home. There was like always something that was happening in these homes. You are not like, that's, that's a whole thing. That's what kids experience. Even today, 2020, you were raised in the eighties. Kids are still going through that. The statistics are that children will move seven times within two years. We're trying to wreck that. We're trying to say, how do we get kids in one home and get so much community and so much support around one home? I like to end every interview with a question, um, and it's, what's one real piece of advice you would give to anyone listening? My one piece of advice is, I believe that no matter what you are called to do in life, no matter what that is, that you should, if you've got this feeling in your stomach that is like this burning desire to do something, no matter what what that is, that you should do it and not be afraid of, I don't have all the answers. I'm ill-equipped. I don't know. I've got no money for this. That's it. Yes. So that was, that's the last thing too. Tell everyone how they can connect with you, what you got going on. Yeah. So uh, you can go to nationalangels.org to find a chapter nearest you and we need you to plug in and get invested uh, and get engaged locally. And if we don't have a chapter where you are now, you go to our website and you're like, oh, there's not one in Pittsburgh. Well, there's a spot on our website. If this has touched you in a way that you're like, man, maybe I want to open up a chapter or want to learn more about it. You can go onto the website and um, fill out a form to learn more about the creation process of starting the chapter. So, all right, there you go. See, we can hit that goal and have one in every metropolitan city. In my lifetime, that's the goal. In my lifetime, we do it. All right, that's a wrap. So if you liked it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listened at. And as always, thanks for listening. Keep it real.